0: Folks, Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. I am the coach Pete Eidner. This is my main man, Adam, the Miz, my Zell, the co-coach. And let me tell you something. We are safe from the gunfire in West Baltimore. We are sealed and protected from all types of viruses. We have been safe, and we are not in the basement of a bank. We are both sealed up, holed up, and protected in our own private bunkers. Miz, what's going on in your world, brother?
1: Well, clearly, we don't have 10 people around either, and we're more than six feet apart, so we're, we're following governor's orders here.
0: We are, and by the way, if I find the son of a bitch that came up with the term social distancing, I'm going to kick him right in his nuts. That's what I'm saying. I hate that term, Ms.
1: I'm with you. I don't know what, did, did someone not like the word physical or No. I have no
0: idea. You know it's some egghead came up with. We're going to call it social distancing. And then they just went with it. And now you got to have say social distancing.
1: <laughs> it's funny. You know? you're, we're on the screen and we're talking about eggheads. Look at that. Look at this guy.
0: <laughs> this
1: candle, right? <laughs> Doesn't oh, get the much way, more egg than this, right?
0: Hey, Miz, let me What's say up, this. Buddy?
1: To you as well. To you as well.
0: All right, so what's going on, brother?
1: Well, you know, we're following the, uh, oh, you got a little iced tea there, man, huh? Like ice Oh, no, 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 no.
0: It's, uh, it's um, post-apocalyptic water is that in Baltimore, is? Maryland, where the water comes in two flavors, regular and chunky style. <laughs>
1: That's nice, man. I like the N- NSCAA glass. I mean, yeah. it's high level, man.
0: Yeah, um, it was like from the convention.
1: Yeah, but no, I mean, you know, we're trying to uh, stay safe, ride this thing out, you know, and, and hopefully uh, we get through it without any infection or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been quite a while here, and I got the feeling that, you know, everyone's going to play ball until the end of the month, and then after that, it's going to get a little dicey. I think people are going to get little a
0: little dicey. I think the lion's ready to roar. The stallion must run and run free.
1: Yeah, yeah, so – you know, you get your daily dose of fear, man, and, you know, you uh, just listen to the, the updates and reports and try to uh, dodge the bullet, you know what I mean? Amen to that. Well, Ms.
0: it is time for you to give me what I need. And while I need to see what's inside that dome. I need to see what's coming up from the Adam Maddox chiropractic mystery question of the day. So, by the way, Adam Maddox. Those of you who have not gone to see him yet, the best chiropractor in the business. I'm telling you, man, you can walk in there and he hooks you up. I went to this one uh, chiropractor one time. They gave me like uh, the Lomi Lomi massage. You know what I'm talking about? It was from from that movie. Um, the one with the bad back. The, the The Shining. No, not The Shining. The other one oh major
1: league where the the, the catcher got the jack jack taylor or whatever his name was
0: no 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 no. the other one with the massage and then they like back it's all like ah uh
1: oh meet the fuckers yeah yes, meet the with Fockers. His back, it's all jacked up yeah right, yeah.
0: right, right, right that's what right. happened to me a long time ago before i met adam maddox and i'm telling you he doesn't give you the loomy loomy he gets you the, like he's got these guns he fires in your back and he you come out looking, feeling, walking tall. You know what I'm saying? Adamatics is the best in the biz.
1: I believe it, man. I believe it. He's, he's a great, great advocate for the show, and he supports us. Uh, clearly does a great job, and as soon as, like, uh, you know, he's able to see patients on the regular, uh, we'll get the wife back in and, and continue the treatment. So I'm looking forward to that, and I know she is too.
0: Yeah, he's a straight-up, straight-up back genius.
1: I love that. It's hard, so, it's hard uh, to be,
0: right? It's hard to be. I'm not, I can't be a front genius. I can't be a back genius. There's, the word genius does not apply to me whatsoever.
1: By the way, if Sir Mix-a-Lot were to bring his girls to a chiropractor, I mean, would that, would that be a tough job to kind of...
0: I would, look, let's get Dr. Adam on the show and let him tell us how he would uh, uh, he would treat somebody who's got that much back.
1: All right. All right. I, I'd love to hear his treatment. I, I yeah, think me it'd be too. pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I might even pay top dollar to watch his treatment. <laughs> you got that right. So what is in that dome today, Miz? What's going on? A
1: little misery question of the week, right? So, um, you know, with all the older movies they keep playing and all, I'm getting my, my fill, man, of one of the classics. I've seen it a couple times now over the last couple weeks. I just saw it the other night, and I was thinking a little bit, you know, it's Karate Kid 1, you know, right? Mr. Miyagi, and he teaches Daniel how to uh, to to basically learn karate, because he's tired of getting beat up by the Cobra Kai. Right. Kids that haven't seen it yet. Um, but then I'm thinking, you know, here's what I don't understand. How come nowadays, if you pass a school or, you know, you you, you go by a, a, a kindergarten place or whatever, you know, you have the after-school martial arts van parked right outside, right? And it's like Tiger Paul Karate, you know what I mean? And right. the guy, the, the instructor is literally picking the kids up from school, right? And then taking right. the nojo, they train and do whatever. Mystery question of the week is, why did Mr. Miyagi do that for daniel
0: I don't know. The guy had like 5,000 cars. Right. Right. He had like 5,000 cars. He could have started his own dojo and then he could have actually hired a landscaper to do all that shit in his yard.
1: (laughs) That's true. But I mean, what did you think at some point it would, it would kind of, you know, maybe because he wasn't paying for it, but maybe Mr. Miyagi would have thought, Hey, I'm going to go pick up Daniel some from school and that'll eliminate, you know, however, the, what was his bike, a Miyagi turbo, he said. um.
0: he had so, the bike
1: and he'd ride the bike home and the, yeah, the, the Cobra guys would drive by on his motorcycle and push him down the hill. He could have learned the crane kick a lot quicker had he eliminated the
0: hour and a half oh, travel it, time with the BMX bike. I, I, I look, and look, he didn't even appreciate that BMX bike because when he fell down the hill, he went to the dumpster, stupid bike, I hate this bike. <laughs>
1: That's a great part, by the way, isn't it? That is like a stupid bike. And, and, you know, in that movie, they use terms you just don't like. No kid today would go, hey, man, as of 8 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going to be an ace there. You're going to be an ace degenerate. You know, you just wouldn't <laughs> hear that nowadays, you know. Great. You would not
0: hear that. But let me, let me also just go one step further. I kind of side with Johnny in the whole in the whole argument. Okay.
1: I've seen that I video do. where they paint him as the protagonist.
0: I've seen It's that. unbelievable. If go watch it and tell me if he's not he don't have a, he has a definite point. Definite he was trying to talk point. to Ali on the beach and uh he came in and he punched Daniel LaRusso punched him first and he got his ass whipped. Well, he,
1: you know, that was retaliation for pushing the the beatbox against him and knocking him into the sand and then, you know, how about you hero? You had enough, you know, boom, and then, you know, whatever,
0: but yeah, yeah it was but great. don't stick your nose where it don't belong. But yeah. anyway, that's what I think. I think I have no idea why Mr. Miyagi didn't pick up the kids from school because he had 7,000 cars in his lot. That's the By the way I, question
1: of the week, year, month, whatever that your answer was, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I, I have good. no idea why he did it. It wasn't like he didn't have the vehicles. In fact, if there are any all points bulletins looking for stolen vehicles in that area and they were not looking at Miyagi's garage, I don't know. Unbelievable. All right. Ms. great question. The Adam mystery question of the week. We are off the crossbar and we will be right back. Hey, everybody. A while back, I had a lot of problems with my lower back it started with a muscle called my piriformis and when that locked up my lower back locked up i couldn't coach i couldn't run almost couldn't walk i went to see dr adam Maddox at ideal health chiropractic and within three sessions i'm back on the soccer field i'm able to run i'm able to lift weights i'm able to train i'm able to compete And not only is he a sponsor of the show, but he's a really, really good guy. I consider him a friend. Check him out. If you have any back difficulties, any back pain, even if it's in your IT band in your leg, my man, Dr. Adam Maddox is the best in the business. Miz, let me tell you something, man. We're going big time right now. I'm pumped. What do we got? Our next guest coming to us live. Let me ask you something, Ms. Do you know what number I wore when I played?
1: I believe, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you were number 14. I was number 14. Do you know why I wore number 14? You did not want to be unlucky and be 13.
0: That's correct. But I wore number 14 in honor of this fine gentleman right here, one of the greatest influences oh. of my soccer playing life. Okay. Um, so this guy, he's coming to us live in between the cow pastures of Pennsylvania. He's just outside of Harrisburg through the miracle of modern technology. We can beam him in live with us on off the crossbar. Let's give it up to Maryland Soccer Hall of Famer, John Abe. Woo, look at that. That What's up?
1: (laughs) <laughs> he, just, he didn't have Miss Elizabeth with him. I mean, come on. Yeah, right? I know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> R.I.P., R.I.P., right?
2: Yeah, Yeah. right.
0: <laughs> so, John, man, it is great to see you. I hope you're
2: doing well. Doing good, Pete. I'm um, doing very well. You know, this coronavirus kind of has been working from home, but you know, hopefully it'll be over soon and we can get back to normal life, kind of. So let me tell you something, Miz. Tell I me. was
0: really, I was lucky as a kid in a way. So if you, if you, we get back in a time capsule to like 1985 and before, there Is was there, no, you,
1: by the way, are you getting there by DeLorean by chance or no? I
0: am. Look, okay. give me, We're going to buzz down the, down the movie theater strip and poof, All we're right. back in 1985. So you picture me with hair parted down the middle and feathered back. Mm, right. Okay. I'm just a dorky kid. And there's no soccer on television. You had one option to watch soccer and that was Sunday Sundays at 4. You had to watch Soccer Made in Germany. That was it. That's all you had. Gotcha. Right? Okay. The only way that I could watch soccer was to follow my brother Chuck. Wherever he played, I'd go to the games. And he played on some good teams. Sure. And so every week I'd see the best soccer games in Baltimore, right? Okay. And and back then the Maryland majors was like a professional league almost. Would you agree, John? Oh, yeah, definitely. That was a lot of good players back in those days. So I would watch games, and one of my favorite players is right here with us, John Abe. I mean, he was it was unbelievable what he would pull off, man. He was just and, – and, and, and I got to meet him through my brother, which to me was like, you know, better than meeting an Oriole or something like that. So <laughs> – but break anyway, it
1: down for us. Was he a forward, a winger? Because I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just meeting him today, and I'm very excited. I love learning about you know former great players of the area, so this is, this is very fun for me, um, and I'm super excited. So break it down for me. What kind of player was he?
0: Well, I'll tell you this: best left foot I've ever seen. Mm-hmm, okay. Accurate from anywhere on the left. Uh, he played outside. He could play in the middle. Crafty with the ball. Great vision. Ran his tail off. John, why don't you, well, I'm, a, I'm talking about you like you're not even here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you remember as a player and, and how you define yourself as a player?
2: Uh, well, I grew up in Germany, so, you know, I moved to the U.S. when I was, like, 12, almost 13 years old and pretty much learned the game back in Germany. I've always, you know, loved soccer. I grew up in the, in the Franz Beckenbauer and Gerd Miller era when Germany was dominating, and so was Bayern Munich. You know, so I moved to the U.S., moved to Baltimore, and actually I moved towards the Pimlico area, which was not a really good area back then, and fine, not now either. So, <laughs> what a place to yeah, settle, baby. I know. And the thing is, when I first came, I didn't speak English. I spoke all German. So imagine me being like, you know, almost 13 years old, and nobody played soccer and didn't speak English. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now here? So I just played by myself for a while, and then... We stayed there for like one year and then we moved to the Govins area and I uh, got to uh, play over there. and I met this guy named Ken Bacon, not the actor. This guy we went to high school together and his older brother, Sean Bacon, he played for, I think, the Negro or one of those club teams. And he saw me playing. He was like, Who are you play for? I go, Nobody. And then pretty much he hooked me up with, uh, I think it was with, uh, what's it? It was, might have been Maurice Boylan's team. Maurice was, was coaching, uh, I think, Northern United back then. And I started playing for Maurice for year or two. Then I ended up hooking up with Karinji. Then the rest is pretty much history. <laughs>
0: right, right. And uh, so Maurice Boylan still coaching, John. Can you believe that? I know.
2: I know. I cannot believe it. I know.
0: He's yeah. very active on the girls' side. And, uh, man, the guy's are just, like, like, awesome dude.
2: Yeah, he was he, he was very good. He, he used to he used to come pick me up because I didn't you know back then I wasn't driving, I had no car, and I was the only one in the Govins area that actually played soccer too. So he used to come down, I think from like the Towson area or whatever, and come down and pick me up off of York Road and take me to practice, and it was fun. Actually, people tell us he used to be on our team back in those days when he was 15, 16 years old. So, hey, John. You guys had- we-
1: yeah, uh, we were we were actually looking at this um, coach and I were just before the show we were checking out the uh, APSL records right through through uh, different different things online and we we saw we were, and he was talking about actually the year that your team won the championship with the Maryland Bays uh, he was saying that he was at a game and all that but we were looking at some of the guys you played with on that team, and, like, it's it's almost head-spinning the amount of talent that was not only on your team, but throughout the league in general. I mean, a lot of these guys ended up playing for the United States national team and what, what then would become the 94 World Cup. So tell us about that.
2: Yeah, uh, back in 1990 when we won the championship, we beat San Francisco – and I remember San Francisco, they had, like, four or five guys that just came back from, from uh, the 1990 World Cup with the U.S. national team. They had, like, Eric Ronaldo, Marcelo Balboa, uh, I think Steve uh I Forgot a couple other guys, but they, I mean, they were loaded, you know. But we had a very – Gene Harbour and Philip Jow, those two guys up front, oh, my gosh, they were, they were a nightmare for any defender. Now hey, now John,
0: hey,
1: talk here's a little mo- bit. Oh, go, go ahead, Coach. Go ahead.
0: Talk a little bit about Gene Harbour, because I remember, you might not remember this, but we scrimmaged you guys when I was at UMBC. It was uh, my going into my senior year, and I had to mark Gene Harbour. And I have never seen anything like that. I mean, s- size, speed, skill. Talk about him a little bit.
2: Yeah, Gene was just, like you said, he was, just, he was strong on the ball. He was fast. He was just he was just unbelievable. You know, and, and like I said, and having Philip Zhao on the left side of that, it was just, you know, like I said, for defenders, it had to be a nightmare. Even the guys that practice. I remember, you know, Chris Reeve one time saying, man, like, man, these guys are a nightmare to mark. He just couldn't, you couldn't stay with them because they were so fast and strong. And I think one of the biggest things for Gene was he, he, I don't think I've ever seen him lose the ball. The only time he would lose the ball somebody whacks him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Adam. Hack of Gene. So Here's what my, like, I'm in college, right? And it's Gene Harbour, and I know who Gene Harbour is. So I want to make, you know, I want to see how good I am, right? Sure. So I, he gets into the corner, and, and I, he's shielding the ball from me. Right. And I'm, I'm, like, trying to keep him there, and I'm leaning on him. I'm grabbing his shirt. I'm fighting for the ball. And I'm a pretty decent-sized individual. Sure, and he swings his arm back and he hits me in the chest with a forearm, just kind of knocked me off the ball. It felt I got hit like I got hit with a Louisville slugger. I'm like this. (laughs) He just turns, runs at me, and beats me.
1: So would you say that like climbing all over him in the corner is probably a bad decision?
0: I I wouldn't do it again. There you go. You (laughs) let me learn, right? So then I decided I would I would take it I would go the easier route, and I marked Philip Jow who was a lot easier to mark because he just ran by you and you didn't see him for the rest of the day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. John, so, I, so
1: the, I, here's, here's what I got to ask you this, because I'm looking okay. at this right now. And I don't know if this is in order. Now, take us back to the penalty shootout against the Blackhawks in the final. Um, now, I don't know if it's descending or ascending, but – you're either you shot first or last. Which one? I was the, I was the
2: fifth shooter. I shot last. So you, sh- so you
1: essentially wrapped it up. Now, how does it feel taking a PK in a national championship after Mar- Marcelo Balboa misses his right before you?
2: Well, I, I remember walking up and just like, I right, don't mess, don't mess it up, mess it up. But I was pretty confident. I took, I usually took our PKs during the season. You know, I remember we played. Uh, who did we? I think it was the Milinaros from Columbia, South America, who played that when I scored against their goal. I'm like, all right, I got this. So I just hit my, took my shot, side netting, boom. And then Steve Powers, he had to make a save, and he came up with a big save, and we ended up being national champions. It was awesome.
0: Wow. It, that team, I mean, if you look at that team, that's a who's who of Maryland soccer. I mean, that is that is the Maryland Soccer Hall of Fame for that generation. Unbelievable talent. but. um,
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, Pete, some... Pete. I think that that team, I think I looked at it. I think 13 of us are in the Hall of Fame, the Maryland Hall of Fame. And then, uh, and then Pete Carinci and Frank Osseski, who were uh, uh, Frank was assistant coach, they're also in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 14 or 15 of us in the Maryland Soccer Hall of Fame. To
0: keep it's, the accolades
1: it's... rolling,
2: right? Yeah.
0: It was so much fun to watch that team play. I remember. Um, I was training for UMBC. I had just transferred in as a junior, and you guys were playing for the APSL, like the Eastern Division Championship, in mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale. And you played the Fort Lauderdale Strikers at the polo grounds, right yeah. down there, and uh, smoked them. Just it was like a track meet, and uh, they could do nothing. You guys, the the team speed they had was unreal. Tell us a little bit about that, John.
2: Yeah, well, if, you know, besides besides Philip and Gina front. Our midfield, it was usually myself, Kevin Sloan, Scott Cook, Rob Risen, Omid Namazi, and then on, on our defense was uh, Chris Reeve, Joe Barger, um Daryl G, and uh Goose um, John Copperwich. So we we were loaded. We had a lot of and most of the good thing was that we were all from the state of Maryland. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of nice. And no, oh, Paul Ratennis, he was the only guy. His Paul went to Clemson, but he was good friends with a couple of guys, and he ended up playing for us every year. Now, cool. now, John,
1: as you, like, analyze the game today, right, and just going back to, and we can just go back to, like, the, the team you just described, and, and uh-huh. the competition level, and the skill level, and all that that you experienced as a player, uh, especially at the peak by winning a national championship in the, the, the league you were in, but what do you see as the biggest difference between then and now with the, the, the level and, and all everything combined? What do you what stands out to you as, like, the biggest difference?
2: You know what I'll say the biggest difference is just the fields. I think you remember Cedar Lane Park. Our field, <laughs> teams hated playing there. But you look at the – I mean, I look at the MLS teams now. Those fields are all beautiful. They're gorgeous, you know. We back then, I mean, we played in a couple of really bad places. I think fields is definitely – you no, know, you have to not only worry about your first touch, but the ball bouncing before it gets to you. Where now everything is nice and smooth and right. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a lot different nowadays. I, mean, I remember talking to uh to Paul Tamburino, who was MLS referee of the year like three times or three or four times in his career, and he said that Johnny goes, "If you guys were playing MLS, you guys you guys would be good to go." Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I can't imagine like the the difference in fields between now and then i mean yeah it's amazing well, how far it's come you know right, going right. back
0: to when you were an amateur player though what about like patterson park was probably like your home field a lot of times yeah
2: yes yeah patterson and also herring run park too herring
0: run park great <laughs> field <laughs> great field
2: yeah. Yep. I like how the
1: one goal was like seven feet taller than the other goal on the one side. And it's like cockeyed like this It's beautiful. Right. Yeah. And they could yeah. never, for whatever reason, they could cut the grass, but they would never weed eat around the goalposts. Right. So there was always <laughs> five feet of grass that, and weeds that just kind of sprouted out around the goalpost. It was awesome.
0: It oh, looked like good. an old guy's ears. You ever see an old yeah, man with exactly. just like crap's coming out of his yep. ears. That's the way the goalposts <laughs> looked.
1: Great
0: analogy. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So take us, take us to, you know, you you were talking about when you were younger, you're 16, you're starting to play club. You start to get really a good feel for the local soccer scene, probably in, in your late teens, right?
2: Yeah. I think when I was probably like my, my junior, junior senior of high school, because I made all Metro back then. I made all Metro first team and I was, and I was playing in the B conference. I'm like, I think I'm like the first player to ever make first team all Metro coming from the B conference. Because you know the A conference had all the Catholic schools, and right? Oh, Northern High School was like, what the heck? <laughs> He's,
0: <laughs> he is. You might be the answer to a trivia question, John, because I don't, I cannot think of one other Northern High School soccer player that made all Metro. Yeah. Is it, are, yeah.
2: are there any others? I think, I think Charlie lahatt might have done it back. He was there a little bit. Yeah. Before. Remember Charlie? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, but again, like I said, but we, they were in the A conference back then, but now we were in the B conference, and that's kind of like a – I always compared to like a Division Two NCAA Division Two player making first team All-American in Division One. Right, right. I, heard right. Of. So I remember Mr. Karpovich was like, oh, this guy's got to get on the first team. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And then, after, you know, after Northern, I went to Essex two years, and my freshman year, I was uh, second team All-American, and my sophomore year, I was first team All-American. And they were getting drafted by the blast. But, you know, I told Adam earlier, I go, you know, back in those days, to play indoor soccer, man, you poof, it was really hard back in those days. There's so many good players in indoor soccer. Right. Especially compared to nowadays, you know.
0: Well, you know what's interesting? And we had Tim Whitman on the show maybe two, three months ago. And he was talking about how that MISL back then had, you know, all the guys that, played in Eastern Bloc countries. Once that, they, they started to come over here to, to get to, to play, and you had guys from England finishing their careers here, and th- there was no MLS, so you had the best of America in there too. So tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was really hard. I mean, uh, a lot of, there's always a lot of the guys when the Northrop-Bergen Soccer League folded. I think it folded like in 83 or yeah. The guys shifted over and went into it. Because I remember they had the NASL Indoor League, and then they ended up merging with the MISL. And then, you know, but I remember, you know, back in those days, I mean, the, the, the Silicon, I used to go to the on the games. We got like ten, twelve thousand 12,000 people at the games <laughs> back then. <laughs> you finished up with the Spirit, though, right, John? Yeah, my last year, yeah. I, you know, I played for Harrisburg most of my, indoor, my indoors. And then mm. uh, my last year, I ended up playing for the Spirit. And then I was through some difficult times. My younger brother... Who ended up passing away? Uh, he uh, he was, you know, slowly pass, like dying back then. So I had to play. I could have played a couple of years later, but I just I just couldn't. I had to stay with the family and ended up bagging it, and then just went back to playing amateur ball in the in the bottom area.
0: Right. Wow.
2: Yeah.
0: So you um, you have your you have your career at Essex. What was that like?
2: At Essex? Well, yeah. it was. Uh, that <laughs> was fun, you know. I got to play with Tommy Caronta, Pete Patilis, Bobby Martino, a lot of the a lot of the Town boys, you know. And then I got to, and then I knew them from playing club ball with them. And then having Pete, who, by the way, Pete was was my club coach, college coach, and pro coach, which is nothing. Wow. to say that, you know. what I mean, he was uh, a yeah, factor, right? Yeah, he's pretty much been with me the whole way around, you know. So. Yeah, but we had, I mean, my sophomore year, I don't know how the heck we didn't win regionals. We we got upset, I think, in the semifinals by Cadenceville, but we had, we had such a good team. Mike Rayberg was our goalie. You know, we had, we had a really, really good team. We just ended up losing in penalty kicks that year. Mike
0: Rayberg, by the way, one of the best goalies I've ever seen, but he is absolutely insane. <laughs> I think he, he, is, who he was is. talking about him. Was it Mickey? I think it was Mickey. Mickey Coachella. Yeah, I was talking about him. How he, That's the reason Mickey played goal is Mike right, Rayborg. Right, right, right. Mike Rayborg's the type of guy that before the game, he's like, you know, smoking cigarettes and, you know, goofing off and, you know, doing shots. And he comes in and plays unbelievable. It's, he's like, he's like a, an anomaly. It's like a throwback to like a different generation where people just did not care and hey,
2: tell you what pete he was he was actually the man you of the days back then he was so good with his feet he was a yeah good too he was a very good field player you know what he used to do
0: we would all be at uh herring run so- herring run tennis courts that's where we all played soccer all the kids and he would go up there every once in a while and he would he would show us how to make people like that was his thing <laughs> And it, and really i learned i got pretty good at it because he would show us how to fake one way and, you know, and make it. But, yeah, uh, you – what an
2: incredible dude. Yeah, yeah, my buddy. We still, we still play together now, over 50. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I'm hoping, awesome. I'm hoping to see you next year.
2: Yeah, I'll see, I'll, we'll see what happens. Well, you know, hopefully I'll play this year.
0: Yeah, <laughs> awesome.
1: Well, thanks so much, John. We really appreciate you coming on and spending your time with us today, especially under the circumstances. And, you know, I know you got a million other things you'd rather be doing at home, right, than, than hanging out with us. But we appreciate it. No problem, Adam. Thanks for meeting you, buddy. You too, buddy. Take
0: care. All right. All right, John Abe, ladies and gentlemen, he's number one in your program, but number 14 in your hearts. I said that ass backwards. (laughs) I said that way backwards. He's number 14 in your programs, but number one in your hearts. I am a jackass. I am the coach, Pete Eibner. He is the co-coach, Adam the Miz Mizell, and this is the legendary John Abe. We are off the crossbar. Welcome back, folks. Ms. I got to tell you, one of the best things about being it off the crossbar is our sponsors. It is. That John Abe interview with a legend, John Abe, that was brought to us by one of our coolest sponsors, Grip Strings.
1: Love them.
0: I- I'm telling you, man, how many goals do you think that guy would have scored had Grip Strings been invented?
1: And, you know, he talked about the bad fields and some of that twisting and turning all that, you know, it knocks your shoelaces out of whack and, and you get on tight. Not with these things, man. Lance hooked me up with a pair. Just, just check them out. Unbelievable.
0: They are, they are fantastic. I've been, uh, I've been giving them to the youth players that I train, mm. and they love them. They absolutely love them. In fact, why don't we get some pictures up here of uh, kids wearing them and, and loving them. You can look at that one right there, the, you know, just foot on the ball. Um, there's an FC USA player there, uh, grip strings. They, they love them, man. They absolutely buy in 100%. And, uh, and, and I wear them in my cleats and I, they're fantastic.
1: And look, let's be honest. I mean, when, when kids are 10, 11 ish, somewhere in there, they're not all expert shoelace tires, right? So... <laughs> this, this can be done real simple at the beginning of training or before the game, mom or dad get in there, crank it one time. And it's, it's done, man. I mean, it's not coming undone. So it eliminates the, you know, you don't, you're not going to see the kid running around the field with the shoelace flapping all over the place. It's not going to happen.
0: And that's a pet peeve of mine when I'm training little kids teams. It's just like having them stop, and then yeah. they got to run over their parents, tie their shoes, or they, they ask you to do it. And then you, you go from being a soccer coach to a shoe tire. Yeah. And that drives me up a wall anyway, but yeah, grip strings. Thank you so much. Thank you, you guys good. are the man and John Abe. Fantastic.
1: Great interview today. I, I, I know his name, but I didn't, I don't, you know, I, he was a little bit before my time, got to meet him today, learned a lot about him. Phen- phenomenal guy. And it sounds like he, had a, you know, he was a major player in, in Baltimore soccer during that during his prime. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, there's no question. By the way, to show you the kind of respect he has from from guys around, we played in that over fifty tournament um, this year for for Desantis, and uh, it, our team was loaded. We had a lot of good players. Um, John's got, I don't know how old he is, but he's got to be close to sixty. And uh, somebody said to me, oh, my gosh, if we just had John Abe coming, we'd win this thing. Like, that was, like that was the one ingredient we didn't have. But anyway, man, it was, like, that's the kind of respect he garners. So and Still uh, yeah, at this age. I mean, that says something, right? Absolutely. So, anyway, Miz, stay safe. You be too, careful, buddy. everybody out there. You guys, be safe. Be careful. Anything you want to sign off with, Ms.
1: Just stay safe, ride this thing out, you know, don't get itchy just quite yet. I just keep telling myself that every five minutes or so. We're getting through it.
0: Getting through it, Miz. We are off the crossbar. We are out.